This show is supported by generous listeners like you through our Patreon. This episode was underwritten by Surreptitious Hugger Mugger Foundation, the Tamsin G Association, and Chris Giddings. To learn more about ways to support Oh My Dollar and get cool perks like exclusive live streams and cat stickers, you can visit ohmydollar.com slash support. Ah, welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Carebake. And I'm your other host, Will Romy. So, it is the season, Will. Open enrollment. I feel like it was just that season, and I just got used to having the healthcare plan I had. I think it's because 2018 has been such a spiral of, I don't want to say crazy, it's been such a spiral of terrible and never-ending onslaught that it really feels like it was just a moment ago. But in fact, (laughs) open enrollment was a year ago. Uh, And open enrollment season, just so folks know, if you don't know, if you have healthcare through your job, usually there will be a time of year when you can enroll in a new plan. um, Or if you weren't previously enrolled, you will be able to enroll just at that time per year. An A plan, yeah. An A plan at all. Otherwise, you usually need what is called a change of life status. And that usually involves getting married, getting divorced, having a kid, or losing insurance. Um, And other than that, you have to wait till open enrollment and the time is now for most folks Um, if you get your insurance through an exchange like healthcare.gov for healthcare.gov it starts on November 1st um, but you can get ready ready right now and you will be super prepared when it opens and this is a this is a big deal. So with healthcare being a huge expense in these American states, we are going to devote multiple episodes this month to untangling the mess of money confusion in healthcare. Yes, this was helpful to me last year. I think my healthcare plan was the best I had this year. Oh, um. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> or, or at least it made more sense. And, and I think I did a good job of using it more, not because I was injured, but because I took more advantage of, of provisions it had. Yeah, what's cool is that um, once you kind of know your way around it, you find out that there are a lot of things that you actually can get for free. So if you're paying for healthcare, you know, it's nice to be able to get get some of the things that you're entitled to for free. Exactly, without injuring yourself. <laughs> so if you are one of our Canadian, Australian, UK, or Indonesian listeners, did you know that we're a top 10 personal finance uh, on Indonesian iTunes? I had no idea. That's yeah, great. <laughs> I have no idea why, but that's awesome. Hi, Indonesia. <laughs> uh, this show probably won't be applicable to you if you fall in that category unless you have a morbid fascination with the wild inefficiencies <laughs> and high costs of American healthcare. Sorry, I've linked to some cute cat videos in the show notes that you can watch instead and you can just rub your nice socialist healthcare all over yourself. <laughs> I just got back from a trip to Europe and actually had a really interesting conversation with a Chinese tourist and our Czech tour guide, um, they were horrified by American healthcare and how it works. I feel like the most common questions I get when I'm abroad are, why does America not want healthcare? And it's like, it's not, mm, mm, it's not that. <laughs> uh, I think people underestimate the scale at which, um, how big America is. If you If you come from one of these smaller European countries, I think it's hard to understand that we in essence, operate like 50 EU countries and not like one large country uh, from a regulation standpoint. Hmm. Anyway, that's a different policy episode. Different podcast. We'll get there. (laughs) Uh, But to start off our healthcare month, we have a question from listener Devin in LA. Devin says, 
I have a choice between a PPO plan and an HDHP plan at my job. My employer covers all the premium for both plans, but if I get an HDHP, my employer will put a $1,000 HSA account for me. What plan should I choose? Okay, I know one of those acronyms. Yeah, there's a lot of acronyms going <laughs> oh, two on there. of them. I know LA. LA. Awesome. <laughs> well, Devin in LA, this is an excellent question, um, but I don't have enough information yet to let you know which one to choose. So the first thing let's do, let me explain some of these acronyms. So there is a difference between what is called a PPO and an HDHP plan. So the first uh, PPO is what most people are used to kind of getting under American Healthcare, which is a preferred provider organization. The name doesn't really matter, um, but this is what most people think of when they think of typical American health insurance, where part of your costs are covered and you have a list of in-network and out-of-network providers. And the out-of-network ones cost more usually. Sometimes they're not covered at all. And uh, a PPO will cover a percentage of your cost for healthcare after you hit what's called your deductible. You're usually responsible for your costs until you hit your deductible, but there are some a few exceptions to that. Your annual exam, OBGYN and annual exam, um, co-pays for certain drugs, and certain screenings will usually be covered even if you haven't hit the deductible yet. Generally, your deductible is relatively low on a PPO, uh, sometimes as little as $50 or $100, but more commonly is about $500 per person. I saw a recent study that said the average one was $643 uh, okay. on a PPO. So a PPO is a regular, normal healthcare plan, if, if that's a thing. Yeah, it's hard to say what's regular and normal in the United States because we have such a hodgepodge of different kind of ways that mm -hmm. people approach healthcare. That being said, when most um, people of our parents' generation think of health insurance through their job, they are probably thinking of a PPO. Gotcha. So like my Kaiser Permanente marketplace plan, that's a PPO. Actually, that is what's called an HMO, <laughs> which is a third acronym we didn't even introduce, which is a health management organization. Um, there aren't that many HMOs out mm. there, but what an HMO is, um, is essentially almost every, the simple way to understand it is almost everything is integrated and in-network. So uh, a PPO okay. is more like a net, like literally it's a network of doctors and hospitals that are preferred versus Kaiser is a health management organization because all the doctors are like employed by right, Kaiser. Right, and they own their hospital and all that. Yeah, jazz. exactly. Okay, bad example. Uh, and and <laughs> no, but that's, that's actually really important because a lot of people might not understand the difference between an HMO and a PPO. Um, if you do have the, HMOs are way Way less common. There's just less of them. Um, in Oregon, a lot of people have them because Kaiser is uh, from Oregon and is a fairly large insurer here. So mm -hmm. a lot of people do have an HMO. Um, they tend to be the same as far as the dollars in your pocket from a premium perspective. Um, they usually don't vary. The big thing to kind of understand with HMOs is that um, sometimes it can be harder to get approval or coverage for what is considered kind of alternative or if you want to go see a specific doctor um if they're not in the kaiser network you may not be able to see them at all right so okay, that makes sense uh, you're gonna have to pay out of pocket a lot of people do like hmos so i really liked kaiser when i was on it because what was nice for me everything was in the same building mm -hmm. everything was integrated in the same medical record system it was just super easy to pull everything yeah. up and said building is like a block away from home it's, yeah they just assigned convenient. me a doctor <laughs> um so it was very good if you're someone who's lazy <laughs> and like doesn't want to have to go hunt and figure out if someone's in network or out of network and try to find a primary care provider mm -hmm. um an 
HMO will usually just assign you. <laughs> yeah, I tell them I'm sick. They tell me what to do about it. That's kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it can be really good if you're kind of lazy and overwhelmed, which is which is fine. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, health health insurance in the U.S. is so frustrating and so hard. You know, make it easier on yourself. Sometimes if people are dealing with a, a really big medical event, so either they have a chronic illness that um, has kind of some new treatments going on or um, they have cancer or some very complicated to manage disease, um, HMOs can be kind of frustrating for people because it can often be harder to figure out how to get care that is kind of deviates from the norm. Right. They really like to put you through the track of whatever they've kind of decided. It's There's usually a treatment protocol. This is true for both a PPO and an HMO. Uh, in health insurance, similar to most other kinds of insurance, the higher the deductible, the lower the premium. Usually. This is why a high deductible plan, or an HDHP, is something a lot of employers are trying to push on employees these days. Um, the high deductible plan must have a deductible of at least $2,700 to be considered high deductible, which compared to a $500 deductible, you can see why that's high. Right. I'm on a high deductible plan and my deductible is $6,500. Um, if you do have a high deductible plan, you qualify for the special savings account, which is called a health savings account or an HSA. And this is a special medical savings account that magically avoids taxes as long as you use it for medical expenses. So remember how we've talked about Roth versus traditional mm -hmm. when it comes to investing and saving for retirement? Right, and, and IRAs specifically, right? Yeah, well, and both 401ks okay. and IRAs. So, so Roth is something where it is... Uh, post-tax, which means you pay taxes on it now, but you don't pay taxes when you pull it out later. With the traditional, you pay taxes on it. You don't pay taxes on it now, which allows you to put slightly more in because it's pre-tax. Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of time talking about that. But then you'll pay taxes on it when you withdraw it at retirement age. A health savings account is the only type of magical account that avoids taxes on both sides. <laughs> so right. you put in pre-tax money and you don't have to pay taxes when you pull it out as long as you use it for medical expenses. So it's a good way to save money specifically for medical expenses. Yes. And it Probably the best way. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, it's quite awesome. And it allows you a lot more flexibility in how you use or save healthcare dollars because one of the things that can be very frustrating about health insurance is that often you don't have a lot of choice in what kind of like treatment protocol that you can use. Um, you know, maybe you want massages or something like that for treatment, but you can't get approval for it. Um, you would be able to spend HSA dollars on that. So you can only use your HSA for healthcare costs, but the range of what's considered healthcare cost uh, is often wider than what your traditional healthcare plan might cover. And you can put money into this account directly. Um, before taxes out of your paycheck. So it could just be a payroll deduction if you have a traditional employer. Oh, that's neat. Um, so it just, it just happens. Like the same as people do IRA deductions. Yeah, the same oh, okay, as you do really for neat. your retirement oh. deductions or you know your uniform or your transit pass deductions at your job. Your company might also contribute tax-free money in your account. This is the $1,000 that Devin is saying that they would seed the account with. Hmm, um, so cool. they can put money in that, and it's tax-free extra income for you, and it's yours to keep. So what's so cool about the HSA is it's like a regular savings account, as it will earn interest, and part of it can be invested though the profits are only tax-free if you use them for healthcare costs, but they're tax-free if you use them for healthcare costs. And it rolls over every year. It's your account to keep. And after age 65, whatever you have in there actually converts to a regular retirement account. And it can be withdrawn for any type of expense without penalty. 
So the money in your HSA is 100% yours to keep. If you leave your job for whatever reason, the HSA stays with you. So it's like a special medical emergency fund, which in your case, Devin, is actually just your job is giving you $1,000 to put in the special medical emergency which fund. Which sounds great. Yeah. Which is awesome. The only thing that you really can't use your HSA for that's a healthcare expense is to pay for premiums. Uh, there's a couple exceptions oh. to this. So you can use it to pay for your COBRA premium. So if you like lost your job and you had COBRA coverage, which we've talked before, mm-hmm. usually that's the most expensive option and you don't want to do that, but there's rare cases where you might. Um, or if you are getting long-term care insurance after a certain age, you might be able to um, use your HSA okay. money. Well, that's there. good to know because that was the first thing I was thinking with an HSA. It sounds like a great way to keep your uh, kind of quote-unquote m- regular plan paid off. Yeah. Uh, so you can't you can't pay your premium on it, but you can pay anything towards your deductible. Um, and it's, it's just pretty awesome. So... The downside, obviously, of course, is that you need to have one of these high deductible plans. So the main thing that you need to figure out is that if you aren't paying the premium yourself because your employer covers it or they're paying most of it, um, you know, obviously the premium is one of the main things you need to figure out if you're choosing one of these and you're paying all of it, like if you're on the exchange. Uh, but otherwise, the main thing you need to know is what the likelihood that you'll use your health insurance is. Mm-hmm. So there's two cases in which someone gains a lot by using an HDHP and HSA combo. Whew, that's a mouthful. <laughs> uh, if they are... So, Will, you're probably a great example. If you have relatively low or no expected medical expenses years, i.e. Yep. you're a healthy person without, Knock on wood. <laughs> without a history of medical issues... Um, that is a, you're usually a really awesome option for it. So one of the reasons this is great is kind of obvious. You'll pay less in premiums. Your premiums will be lower because it's a high deductible plan, which will save you money Mm -hmm. and you can save some money tax free. In Devin's case, the company's giving you some money to save tax free, but you'll still have insurance in the case of some unforeseen medical event, like appendicitis or a traffic catch crash, which could bankrupt you otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. So. Why would you want an HSA if you have high medical costs? Any ideas? Oh, because you're going to go right through that premium, I, I assume. Yeah. So for some people, you may um, you might be able to run the numbers. Um, and there is a case if you have a really expensive illness that costs a lot to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, type 2 diabetes is a great example. Right. So I mean, you're paying a lot of money on supplies yeah, to treat lo- regularly. So, and, and, you know, you need regular treatments and checks and there's just a lot of kind of overall expenses or epilepsy or something like that, then you might be in the case where the amount that you save on premiums kind of offsets that uh, extra deductible that you're paying. And you're going to be able to use that tax-free money in that HSA in order to meet that deductible. Hmm. So um, there are many people that fall into that category where they know they're going to burn through their $2,500 deductible. um, But the amount that they're going to save on taxes by being able to put money in that health savings account ends up, and the amount they save in premiums, ends up weighing out of that. So on a high deductible plan, it is possible that your out-of-pocket maximum is going to be higher. So, you know, it's 
more likely to be higher than it is on a PPO. If it's really high, say $10,000, you want to make sure that that's something you can stomach if you were to have an expensive situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, being $10,000 in medical debt is still better than being a million dollars in medical debt because you didn't have any insurance. Right. So, But it um, still doesn't sound great, but you, yeah. There's right, a totally right. different scale there. <laughs> um, and, and one of the things is if you have that HSA, it will obviously help offset that, um, that you know, $10,000 of out-of-pocket. Right, $9,000. Right. Well, and you can put up to $6,000 in your HSA. Oh, okay. So, okay. That's good um, to know. The 1000 would be, you know, if your company is giving you that. Sometimes employers will give you even more than that. Um, they do have some limits on what they can contribute. Hmm. Uh, but... The main thing is you cannot have one of these HSA accounts unless you're enrolled in an HDHP. Um, so not every plan that has a high deductible is considered an, an HSA eligible HDHP. Mm-hmm. And what you need to know is that it will have HSA in the name when you look at it. <laughs> okay, so an HSA will say... HSA. Uh, or no, it, an it HDHP will, will say yeah, HSP. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you will actually see it on there. And that it, it's one of the things to note because there are some specific federal regulations. So things that might otherwise look like they uh, qualify as an HDHP, if they have an out-of-pocket maximum that's too high, mm-hmm. then they don't qualify for the HSA, which is ironic and weird, but strange. Yeah. If they cover anything before the deductible, so if they cover like asthma inhalers at a $20 copay before the deductible, uh-huh. um, then they won't qualify anymore because they are not legally considered an, an HSA qualified HDHP. I see. But it will be very obvious on uh, the enrollment forms. It will say it right there. It will say it right there. Other things to know about HSAs, you can't be enrolled in Medicare. You cannot be claimed as a dependent on anyone else's tax returns. So that could apply to some people listening to the show. And you can't be covered under your spouse's flexible savings account. But you can still have a limited use flexible savings account for vision or dental. Um, A lot of people get confused about the difference between an FSA and an HSA. Mm -hmm. A flexible spending account is like kind of a less cool version of an HSA. Right, less specific, (laughs) Um, I imagine, because of its, well, flexibility. um, No, no, believe it or not, an FSA is far less flexible. Um, (laughs) It actually expires. It does not roll over. um, And so that money is gone. And so it's not a cool investment savings account and there are much lower limits for the FSA. Hmm. What it can be good for, a lot of people get them through their employers where they're just already filled with money and they can be excellent for things like buying glasses or paying dental since most dental has is kind oh, of terrible. We've talked about how dental insurance isn't really that great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's great if you have it and it's free, um, but Teeth it's- Teeth nonsense. Yeah. yeah, but it's uh, usually not that great if you have to pay out of pocket for it. But FSA can help you pay for that. And the other thing you need to know is that you cannot contribute more than your net self-employment income to an HSA if you are self-employed. Okay, so, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. But it would prevent you from like transferring a lot of savings over to it, I guess. Right? right. Well, they're trying to prevent you from essentially avoiding taxes because it's tax-free money, right? So you can't go negative into mm. your uh, negative into profits because you contributed to an HSA. I see. They're trying to avoid you, you know, doing cool stuff. Yep. With te- with... <laughs> I'm sure, sure there's a good reason for yeah. it. Yeah. So essentially, this is what you need to think about, Devin. 
Uh, the likelihood that you're going to use your health insurance. So if you're in that really, really high likelihood category, it's possible that that $1,000 could make more of a difference than the difference in the deductible. Um, on the flip side, if you're really healthy and you know all you're going to need is an annual exam, some screenings, and maybe uh, incidental coverage for some medication, let's say that costs less than $1,000 a year, which mm-hmm. is the amount they're putting in that HSA, then it might make a lot of sense to have that HDHP. One thing to always check is that out-of-pocket maximum. That's pretty much it. Cool. That's a lot of great information, and I hope that'll help you make your choice. Yeah. And we are going to be talking about healthcare for the whole next month on Oh My Dollar. So please let us know if you have any questions. You can always write in to questions at ohmydollar.com. The more questions you ask, the more I learn. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the <laughs> real goal. Me. The real goal is to make sure that Will has the best the possible- the best healthcare plan and the best information about it I can. <laughs> Uh, Also, we have a quick reminder about our iTunes review. Do you want to let people know about that? We are on a mission to get 50 reviews and 100 ratings on iTunes before the end of the year. Right now we're at 11 reviews and 40 ratings. It takes about three minutes to leave a review, so please help us out. As always, if you want to learn more about our Patreon and ways that you can support the show for as low as a dollar a month, you can go to ohmydollar.com slash support. There are cute cat videos. We're also very close to our next goal where we're going to have live streams where I answer your questions every two weeks so you can get your questions answered sooner than when they're on the show. That'll be fun. I think that wraps our show for today, Will. I think it does. Our producer is Will Romy, and our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. I'm Lillian Kerbake, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.